Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome in. This is Golf Bets on Us right here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Cam Rogers here, Bridget Whalen there. Follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Rogers99 and on Instagram at Mr. Rogers98. I remember this time, follow Bridget at Bridget K. Whalen on both platforms. The PGA Tour season is over. The Super Season 2020-2021 campaign littered with talent and fun and highlights finally coming to a close. And we look ahead to the new wraparound season here on the PGA Tour. So, no golf this week, which means it gives Bridget and I a chance to sort of Sit back, give our season takeaways. We have our top three, and we will list them off here on the very program, along with our way too early Masters picks for 2022. We each have three outright selections that you can bet on right now at betonline.ag. So, yes. Football season is about to ramp up, but the golf content continues here because we start it all back again next week when the PGA Tour season returns. So really excited about that and really excited about this year's majors as well, but plenty of time before those go down. So I mentioned Bet Online. Of course, our odds are always courtesy of betonline.ag. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive that 100% welcome bonus. Now is the time, folks, with week one here. Take advantage of the opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday night matchup between the Bucs and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using this promo code NFL100. So essentially a risk-free bet this Thursday night, bet online, get it done. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And like I mentioned, you can bet on the Masters for 2022 right now at betonline.ag. All right, Bridget, let's take a sigh of relief. That was some season, 2020 through 2021. Six majors in all, a player's championship, the Olympics, a crazy fun FedEx Cup playoffs. It's really hard to consolidate our takeaways into three bullets, but we're going to try. We're going to try. With super season, I'd like to say I hope I never see it again, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the The Masters being so close together, that was uh, a treat that I relished. You know, I think the fall was really unique, obviously, due to the pushback of the schedule with COVID and what have you. So you had the Masters in November. And I think just looking back, that will be a really unique time because it's almost like 
cognitive dissonance. Like, why is it November? <laughs> why is the Masters happening right now? I don't understand. And so, you know, you really had to drink it in as one of those unique moments, I guess, in golf. And like you said, let's hope that that never happens again. And it really did look different, right? Like uh, yeah. the the time of azaleas, they do make a mark on the visual of Augusta, uh, way more so than maybe you tend to realize until, um, you know, it's like the song, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. Masters, uh, Augusta in the fall was just as beautiful, obviously, just a totally different scene. It, it truly was. So it all started with Stuart Sink at the Safeway Open way back starting September 10th through the 13th. Of course, Stuart, his first of two victories on the PGA Tour this wraparound season. Bridget, let's talk about these takeaways here. I have different perspectives, one of them being off the course and, of course, two of them being on the course about a couple of players. But I want to start with you your first takeaway from this past big time season. Well, you just mentioned Stuart Sink. He wasn't really one of my big takeaways, but I just want to give him a shout out. I yeah. mean, honestly, the drought breakers this year, like they were a plenty and it was super cool to see Stuart and his son Reagan, like get multiple wins. I, that's just, that's something that I think he and his son will look back, back on for many years to come. I know his son is actually, getting back to his real job, quote unquote, real job, which if I had the opportunity to loop for dad and dad with Stuart Sink, I think I would do that for as long as possible. But what is the real job? Do you know? I think he works. He works in the airline industry. I'm not hmm. exactly sure um, what his job is, but that makes sense for the time of COVID as to why he was like, hey, let me take a little pause and uh, throw dad a bone here and a couple wins. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the Stuart saying that, like, just give him a shout out. He deserves it. All right. My number one, it's on the course. It's Jordan Spieth. Waste Management Saturday uh, is probably one of my fondest memories from this past season. I got the Jordan excitement. Jordan was back in my mind. It was like 2015 all over again. And you and I are very much chronophobes. We, we hate the passing of time. We want to stay and relish in those moments of golf glory, which is 2015 Jordan Spieth. Uh, that Saturday for me will go down as one of my favorite moments this past season. And then he got back in the winner's circle. So right. Jordan Spieth this year, uh, uh, the return to glory, um, <laughs> to take a little line out of Tiger's history book, uh, I just, I love seeing him get back, uh, get back to where he belongs and maybe he's not fully back. Obviously it's a process with him, but he had a, a chance to win at at t Pebble the following week. It was just those top five finishes. Uh, it, it really was good signs and, uh, I relished in it for sure. I also witnessed his hole in one at API. Let's let's not forget uh, so I just had like a really awesome Jordan year this season. Yeah, in true trending form too, Bridget. I mean, after the Farmers Insurance Open, that was a miscut, of course. Then he just goes nuts. T4, T3, T15, T4, eventually wins at the Valero Texas Open. So you just saw this pattern and you knew a win was coming at some point because Jordan Spieth, when he plays well, it's no fluke. It's the start of something long-term, 
right? And obviously that proved to be the case, sort of faded during the FedEx Cup playoffs, 73rd at the Northern Trust, T34 at the BMW T20, which is relative to this tournament, the Tour Championship, not very good, but still he got the win, second place at the Open Championship, second place at the Charles Schwab. So Spieth being back, I think is always good for golf content, especially sans Tiger Woods these days. And he made it all the way to the tour championship. So I was glad to see him back there too. Yep. Absolutely. T3 at the masters in April as well. All right. So my first takeaway going off the course here, I thoroughly enjoyed Bryson versus Brooks. And there are a couple of reasons why number one, I've talked about this with you, Bridget, how unique of a situation pure public hatred is in the game of golf. You just don't see it. And for me, it was the first time. I would argue the first time in PGA Tour history that we had some sort of feud one-on-one like this. And so I thought it was a good storyline for the game. I think it brought in more eyeballs to the sport. I still stand on this hill that the USGA should have put them together because you want to talk about relishing in the timing of this rivalry. I thought it would have been great. But anyway, they obviously were not paired up the rest of the PGA Tour season as well. So, I mean, on the PGA Tour too, in my opinion. But I thought it was just fun to follow. And certainly it was more Brooks sort of poking the bear than Bryson really firing back. But then you have this PGA tour policy saying that if anybody calls Bryson Brooksy, you're getting thrown out. So it seems like this is not going to die at this season. It's going to continue next season. We'll see what happens at the Ryder cup. I guess Steve Stricker sort of had a yo guys chill out sort of situation conversation uh, before the Ryder cup. But I thought this was fun. I mean, I sort of sat back and just enjoyed the content before me. I did not take any stance on Bryson or Brooks. I like them both. And I actually think Bryson, quite frankly, is the nicer guy. I would probably want to hang out with Bryson more than I do Brooks, unless Brooks likes me. But if Brooks doesn't like me, he probably doesn't want to hang with me. But if Bryson doesn't like me, he would still be fake nice. You know what I mean? So anyway... Going down the rabbit hole of Bryson versus Brooks, I think that was just fun this year on the PGA Tour. I don't know how you feel about that, Bridget. Okay, so I'm going to show my age a little bit here, Cam. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There is a way better feud in PGA Tour history. Okay, who? (laughs) Which erupted, and I will remember it erupting at the 2013 players. Like, I could remember. Any day of importance in my life, Tiger Woods and Sergio Garcia, mm-hmm. their longtime feud puts Bryson and Brooks to shame. <laughs> and maybe, and again, I'm a little, uh, all the viewers, all the viewers, no one's watching us, all the listeners, I'm, uh, I'm quite a few years older than Cam. Yeah, uh, definitely going to show it now. But, but yeah, I was in college when that occurred and um, it still gives me uh, a little bit of the goosebumps because it was so awkward. Their post-round interviews in the dark were just so awkward. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy this fodder. I think it brings uh, some other eyeballs to the game, which I'm all about. I think it, it was a, a tad bit manufactured. I do not believe that it's fully organic. Mm. 
but who knows? I, you know, I could be wrong. I don't think it has anything to do with the PIP. I'm, I'm not on that train, but I do think that uh, Brooks for sure dislikes Bryson more than Bryson dislikes Brooks. Right. I agree with you. I, I don't, I don't even know if Bryson dislikes Brooks, to be honest. I think he's just annoyed at the situation at this point. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I do also think it has become a not so great environment for Bryson out on the tour, which I am totally against. So while I don't know if I support people getting thrown out for yelling Brooksy, cause like, come on, it is a free country. You could say what you want. That shouldn't bother you that much. Mm. I think there's other things that are making it hard for Bryson to be out on tour. I think Brooksy just is like the tip of the iceberg. I think that um, there's a lot of people who go to tournaments to see Bryson and that sort of gets overlooked. Like he does have a lot of fans. I followed him a long way through Sunday at API where he wound up um, winning and he has a lot of people cheering him on. So I don't want to totally go on to this track where like, it's a horrible environment for Bryson. Like not at all. He has a lot of fans out there. A lot of young kids really look up to Bryson, which is nice. I think that he um, is good for the game in more ways than one. I think he's not only bringing new eyeballs to the game, he's also bringing in new ideas about body transformation, whatever you want to call it, uh, that have clearly been proven to work. So I really like Bryson for the game. I do think that it is tough for him to be out there currently just with um, some of the the continued people who seem to uh, kind of be out on tour. So I do agree with, with the tour doing what they did. I think it's a little unfortunate, um, but I also think that Bryson has a space here, right? Like, like if you love golf, you like Bryson. I, I don't yeah. understand people who don't, so... Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, 100%. You can't not not like Bryson. I mean, he's just got this aura about him that captivates audiences in the way in which he plays the game. He crushes it with his driver. I mean, why does he not have the same allure as John Daly, who right. crushed it with his driver back in the day and still does relative to the PGA Tour champions? And yet, People aren't latching on to Bryce maybe as much as they did with Daly. I don't know. It's really interesting. It seems like people always want to pick a side, whereas that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. You can side with both of them. I mean, this isn't like, you know, Ravens versus Steelers or Bears versus Packers. You know what I mean? This is the PGA Tour. Let's all relax a little bit. Uh, but I think it's going to be a big storyline as we enter the majors next year about maybe Bryson and Brooks getting paired up or maybe they're in a, Sunday final pairing, something along those lines. I really hope we get something like that. But in the immediate, I think the Ryder Cup is going to be really interesting. And I heard somebody say this recently. It might have been Justin Leonard, that you were so focused on your own pod at the Ryder Cup that a lot of times you don't actually interact with the rest of the team. Right. And so that's something to sort of keep in mind as well. But yeah, overall, Bryson versus Brooks, I think was good for golf and I had been asked about it many a time. And I basically said that, you know, it's just good stuff. And like you said, if Bryson is hitting it straight with that speed, that power, that length, even Rory has said he's really difficult to beat. Jordan Spieth has said it like his, his cohorts have claimed that he is really tough to be if he's hitting it straight. Now, again, the volatility 
of him of his speed and of hitting it of the distance sure yeah. it makes hitting it straight that much harder but he he has an all-around great game that was totally put on display at Wingfoot. I dislike anyone who says that he dominated the course with his driver, like not at all. It had to do with his short game and his putting that you putt for dough and Bryson became a really good putter uh, in recent times. Yep, absolutely. All right. What is your takeaway? Number two, <laughs> my takeaway number two is uh, Bridget. How did you not put this one as number one? It's Justin Thomas winning the players. Okay. Stellar fashion. He was three down on the ninth tee. He went birdie, eagle, birdie. He did that club twirl on the 18th. Oh my gosh, with the water on the left. So nervy. He looked like Tiger Woods, just totally uh, in control. I loved it. I love seeing Justin Thomas win like that. Uh, just like totally come from behind and dominate. He's really good at that. It looked like he was going to do that this past weekend at Eastlake, to be honest. Yeah. I. I knew you had him in your card, so I was like reticent to root for that to happen, but I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, that Sunday at the players was just so much fun to watch, and he got a player's victory, which then got him into the PNC father-son, which I got to go watch him and his dad, uh, Mike Thomas, play here in Orlando. So just a lot of benefits from that victory. Not everybody knows this, but to play in the PNC, you do have to win the players. I did not know that. That's interesting. There you go. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the comparisons to Ben Hogan and his ball striking at that player's championship there for Justin Thomas about how well he played with his irons. I mean, the comparisons were crazy and certainly warranted. And then he started to find something, Bridget, at the FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, there was a bit of a lull for him after the players, but then boom, fourth at the Northern Trust and fourth at the Tour Championship. I think not factoring in the starting strokes, JT would have been second behind, I want to say, Kevin Na and John Rahm. So pretty good. Okay, I fact-checked myself. You have to win a major or the players. So okay. So would have been able to be in anyway. So I was wrong on that a little bit. See, one 2017 PGA. I was wondering why the players was, like, unique to the PNC. <laughs> <laughs> what was the connection on that one? And in my brain, I'm like, this is some weird tour conspiracy where, like, you have to win their major to play in the PNC. Right. Hey, you never know. But you know what? That's why then I Google after I drop a non-fact. That's why we fact check here on Golf Bets on Us. All right. right. Love it. Speaking of ball striking, I want to talk about Colin Morikawa as my takeaway number two here. Kicks off the summer, I guess, you know, whenever it was in August, uh, kicks off late August, mid-August with an amazing victory at the PGA Championship. I know that was not part of this wraparound season, but I do want to note that. Wins at concession, a WGC, back in February, becomes the champion golfer of the year, winning the Open Championship. And then T4 at the Olympics. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who just makes it happen on the big stage. Colin Morikawa, I think, is going to be that next superstar because his iron game is so consistent. He will be in every PGA Tour event. That's why he makes so many cuts. It's because he never bleeds strokes with his approaches, and he's very straight off the tee. Yes, the putter can become ice cold, and maybe he finishes T36 one week and T40 another, but he's going to be there on that weekend, and then he's going to pop and win 
when he wants to. And so I know he had been going through some back issues throughout the FedEx Cup playoffs, a big reason why he did not do much damage there. But now he has time to sort of recoup and recover and get back into the swing of things maybe later this month. But man, I mean, I am sold on Colin Morikawa and he is sort of the antithesis of, say, a Bryson DeChambeau or Brooks Kepka who both crush it off the tee. Morikawa is straight and shorter. But when he's so good with his long irons and all the way down to his wedges, certainly not the chipping as much, but, you know, just pitches and what have you. I think he can be a factor anywhere, anytime. And so Colin Morikawa, I am sold on him as that next superstar. I mean, he's a superstar now, but I mean, in the sense of relative to like Rory and Spieth, I think Morikawa can be that guy who generates a lot of fanfare, a lot of buzz. And this is just the beginning for him and already two major championships. He's a little boring for me. Um, he definitely has the game. I don't know if he has the star power. I'm the not moxie. sold. Yeah, I'm not sold on it yet. And again, he is so young. Like, <laughs> it's crazy that he's a two-time major champion. He is so young. Um, so I, I do give him that grace. I give him time to grow. It's, it's just, he doesn't, he doesn't do it for me yet. He doesn't give me those speed, Rory, Justin Thomas goosebump feels yet. And those guys have been doing that since like the precipice of, of their career. So I'm not saying he can't grow into it. He just doesn't for me, this is personal because I actually have voiced this to other people who disagree. So like, feel free to disagree, Cam. He just doesn't hit that needle moving mark for me. Like uh, watching Jordan Spieth win the 2015 Masters did or watching Justin Thomas win the 2017 PGA did. Like those mm -hmm. are such memorable golf moments for me. I mean, Rory has a plethora of them. Like, I guess for me, Rory is if you want to like call someone the second coming of tiger with hitting, moving the needle, hitting the pulse, that's Rory for me. There are so many iconic Rory moments that I could harken back to, but Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas at really young ages, they hit that mark for me. Call Mark how he just, he just doesn't do it for me. Okay. I think that's also why I'm sort of sticking to the next big superstar phrase, because we're not yeah. quite there yet. As you said, Let's give it we're some trending. time. Yeah, we're trending. We are absolutely <laughs> trending with this kid. And it's pretty impressive. Kid being like a year kid. younger than me too. It's like unbelievable what he's doing. <laughs> so yeah, he has all the, the, the pieces of the puzzle. Let's see if he can put it together. There you go. There you go. That's very preachy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Takeaway number three. What do you got? Uh, so this one obviously has a special place in my heart because I currently work for the SGA. It's our reigning U.S. Open champion, John Rahm. Hmm. Just the overall season that he had. I'm just going to give him a huge shout out to staying with it, being really, um, he like really became someone to look up to, handling things with such grace. Just keep in mind, he won the U.S. Open less than two weeks after the withdrawal from Memorial. Like, we were waiting to see if he was going to be able to tee it up at Torrey Pines. And then to have that birdie, birdie finish, like, that's everything that you want at a major. I implore major championship venues to set 
Sunday, 17 and 18 up for birdies. Set it up to have a stellar finish and to have dramatic moments happen. I like, like that. It, oh, it's the best. Like things on Sunday should be set up for the moment and to make it for whoever is victorious, they deserve to win. And so I think like making 17 and 18 birdieable holes as Tory Pines did, it's just like, that's how you have awesome Sunday finishes. So that was obviously my favorite day of the year. I was on site. I witnessed it. The roar, I heard it. The ground shook the whole thing. It was not Tiger-esque, of course, but like we're, we're coming close. We're, we're, we're getting close there. And it was almost karmic just because of uh, the, the positive COVID-19 test that led to him withdrawing um, with the six shot lead uh, and, a, you know, like that was just an insane scenario. So I'm just giving a massive shout out to John Rahm, who also then had to pull out of the Olympics. This was just a wild year for the guy who also became a father. Uh, just a, a huge year, year for John. And I enjoyed being along for the ride. Yeah. And during that tournament on Sunday, there was a moment where I want to say six or seven guys were in the mix, which gave me shades of 2011 Augusta, where it was Tiger, it was Luke Donald, Bo Van Pelt, Schwartzel, obviously, Cabrera, right. KJ Choi, everybody was in the mix. And so, I mean, what about 2019 Augusta when true. Tiger won? Yeah, like Very that. True. It was so many in the mix. Yep. Absolutely. John Rahm beating out Louis Oosthuizen. So you're taking U.S. Open Part 2 over U.S. Open Part 1 because technically we had two on the schedule. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, I loved Part 1. And hey, both first-timers, shout out to Bryson and John Rahm, both uh, first-timers winning at the U.S. Open, which is awesome. But I really thoroughly enjoyed the way that Rahm finished uh, at Tory. By the way, we had six majors on the schedule, not one Brooks Kepka victory in those majors, which is something that sort of surprises me, not totally because of the depth of talent we have in golf now, but still something notable there. All right, my pick, finally, it's got to be the old man, Phil Mickelson, winning at Kiowa Island. I still haven't processed that. The longest course in major championship history was won on by a 50-year-old, Phil Mickelson, who came in with very few good finishes on the PGA Tour. I mean, there were some small signs with his iron game. He was gaining strokes and what have you, but the finishing positions were not quite there yet. And those can be sometimes not indicative of how well you're playing. And clearly that was the case for Phil Mickelson. I mean, truly unbelievable. And I think the takeaway truly is also that Tiger Woods can do something similar if he puts his mind to it, if he goes through the proper recovery process and all the dominoes fall in his favor. I think that victory is inspiring for Tiger Woods if slash when he returns to the PGA Tour. So there's a two-pronged sort of takeaway here. Phil getting it done at age 50, I mean, just so great for the game. And then that Tiger Woods element of, oh, I can still do this at his age. I know I can because I've done it better in my career as compared to Phil. Again, we're splitting hairs a little bit because it's unfair to compare anybody to Tiger Woods. But that's like something I wanted to mention on the show here, Phil getting it done. Yeah, and ironic that in the era of long ball Bryson, 
we had, or I mean, Powerball, Longball, all yeah. the things we had fill the thrill, getting it done at Kiowa, which is just a monster. Truly unbelievable. <laughs> so, Epic. Yeah, Phil, a major winner, Bryson, Colin Morikawa, just a great list of major championship winners. And of course, Hideki, Hideki. Matsuyama. Yeah, can't oh, forget that one. Can't forget that one. That was that a one. great one. No. All right. Uh, we did our best to consolidate our takeaways <laughs> there. It was truly a remarkable year. Excited for this year with you, Bridget, and channeling our focus in golf betting, but also want to uh, give a quick shout out to our friends at Play Action Pools here to talk a little bit about the NFL season. So our pod is partnering with playactionpools.com this year to bring some interactive fun to the sports we love most. Of course, football being one of them, you'll be able to get in on the action with our playactionpools.com football pick em challenge, which is open to everyone, by the way. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick em, at playactionpools.com. Check us out on Twitter at Believe Podcast as well. The link is pinned on our Twitter. Get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Three to play. And whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, that's playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest, Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em. And by the way, if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em as well as this sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Check them out today. We will certainly use them for my golf events as the majors come around in 2022. So big thank you to Play Action Pool. Speaking of the Masters, there's no PGA Tour golf this week. So why not get ahead of the game, throw some cash down on some early names here as... We have quite some time until the next major, but still, it's fun to talk about. And Bridget and I have three outright selections each. And going off of our list here, Bridget, we do have one common denominator. And I say we just start with them now. Jordan Spieth, 12 to 1 at Bet Online AG to win the Masters. I will give you the floor first, but I feel like we'll have similar <laughs> arguments. He's an artist. He loves Augusta. He's playing yep. well. What else is there? So my reasoning for adding him into someone that I think you should watch this year at Augusta is he is that trending type player. And I think that this year was his foundational build. And I think that making it all the way to Eastlake was huge for Jordan. He has a baby on the way. Things are good at home. Things are trending on course. He's the type of guy who, if all things are aligning, things are going to go well. Augusta is a lock for Jordan. He is the wizard of Augusta. He, like you said, he's the artist. He could, the creativity, the shape shots, the way that he plays the courses differently than most. Uh, he plays it similarly to tiger. It has mm -hmm. been, um, said by both he and tiger that that's how he plays the course, which obviously nobody plays it better than tiger. I think that Jordan in this next coming season and next year is going to be 
a much different Jordan than we saw at the tail end of this season. I know that he did kind of fizzle in the end, but I think that that's expected. I think Jordan is tired and not in the sense of like exhaustion. I think he's tired in the sense of he's been trying to get his game back for so not back. He's a, he never went away. I kind of hate that term. So I don't believe I just said it, but just to sort of become more in the mix consistently. Um, I think that there were areas of Jordan's game that he wasn't sure what was wrong. Like you and I have talked at length about this. Mm. That was what was most upsetting to Jordan is that when he was having success, he didn't really hone in on what was leading to this success. So then when he was not having success, he had a really difficult time of pinpointing what was the cause. Um, so I think that Jordan figured something out. I always like Jordan at Augusta. I think that that's just a lock for him each and every year, but more so in 2022. Yeah, hundred percent. What you had, what you uh, hit there is obviously perfect because Basically, what I was going to say, I mean, trending, the feels, plays it like Tiger. He can spray it off the tee and still be successful. Obviously, Augusta's rough is not even close to the USGA's for the U.S. Open, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a reason why he's 12 to 1 as we stand and the second favorite, if you will, right behind John Rahm, who's plus 900 to get it done at Augusta. I'm just so impressed with how Jordan Spieth has been playing. And I know it's September. And so that's not necessarily indicative of how he's going to play in April, but Bridget, you said, you know, in a unique way, it's a launch pad. Last season is a launch pad for what's to come here in 2021 slash 2022. So very impressed with Jordan Spieth, always a factor at Augusta national, even during the lull of his career, he was still making the cut T34 stuff like that. So all in on Jordan Spieth, even at 12 to one, he's got value in my opinion. Who was second on your list, Bridget? Well, actually, first on my list wasn't Jordan Spieth. Okay. So my number one guy to watch for at Augusta in 2022 dun, 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 is Webb Simpson. Now, prior to the past three playings of Augusta, because we had November, so I'm not going to say the past three years. There wasn't really nothing to write home about when it came to Webb. He, he didn't really have any stellar finishes between 2012 and 2018. Then in 2019, he had that top five finish. He finished T5. And then he followed it up in November with a tie for 10th. And then this year, he was tied for 12th. So there's something going on with Webb. And he sort of hinted at what it was. And you and I have spoken about this so many times. And I love going back to it. Augusta and the Masters is a major that can be won. Well, I guess Phil kind of debunked that this year, but it could be won by the older gents because I think the more times you play the course, the more you learn. And that's one of the advantages of the Masters being at Augusta each year. You really get exposure to that course time and time again. You're going back to the same course. You're learning each year. So Webb got some advice from Phil. And he learned that at Augusta, there is a bailout zone pretty much on every hole. And once Webb had that in mind, Augusta didn't become this notion of, oh man, if I miss the green, like I'm sort of out of luck because there's a right way to sort of miss the green. There's a right spot to miss. Mm. And it's something that Augusta legends, I feel like they talk about often. And while Webb, he didn't really, in the articles I read, cause there were a few, he didn't really get into many specifics, obviously. Um, but I think that he now has this in his mind 
where he's figuring out the bailout zones. And that's obviously also a tricky part, but knowing that they're there is step one. And I think he's going to get better and better each year. And perhaps 2022 is when he collects the green jacket to show for it. Webb Simpson, 50 to one to win the Masters right now. So Bridget sees the ultimate value at that number. And that number is certainly a little too inflated, in my opinion, as well, especially given his recent finishes at Augusta National. And it's not like it's ever a fluke when you play well three straight years or two straight years at Augusta National. Usually it means, okay, you found something and you can apply that in the progressing years. So I think he should be like 30 to one or something like that. So 50 to one is a really good number there. But Webb Simpson is a guy who obviously consistently makes cuts at major championships. Hasn't contended at a lot of them, but slowly, slowly, but surely the masters is becoming one of those events where he's playing well at. So I think, you know, in terms of trending, he is headed in that direction of perhaps hoisting a green jacket. Got to go back to 2012, by the way, which is so long ago. for that win at Olympic, of course, at the U.S. Open. So it's been some time since he's been in the winner's circle in a major, but I mean, you could say that about Rory too, way back in 2014. So, all right. I like that. Solid decade. I like it. The full 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'm going to pick a guy at 50 to one as well. Daniel Berger. And I know his history at Augusta National is not very good, but I feel like there's still time for him to get acclimated to the golf course and then play well year in and year out. I mean, the way in which he finished this season, he was absolutely blistering with his irons, really good off the tee, can get hot with his putter as well. He is somebody who is going to break through at a major championship at some point. I think it's going to happen next year. It may not be at the masters, but at 50 to one, that's a price I can't look away from. So I like that number there at 50 to one. Bridget, I know you get the feel sometimes with Berger. I love Daniel Berger. I would love to see him win at Augusta. I think that he is really good at controlling his golf ball. And I think that that's a key uh, at Augusta. So I really like that pick. He definitely has the grit and the, the power and the confidence to get there. So I think it's only a matter of time. And I, I do like the Masters as uh, a possibility for his major victory. All right. Who's number three on your list? Okay. Well, since I just said controlling your golf ball, I'll just go (laughs) into this guy, Patrick Cantlay. I mean, I think that's one of his biggest strengths that we literally just saw a clinic from Cantlay these past two weeks. So the dude controls his golf ball. He, He has seldom three putts. Like he's just, he's to me, he's like totally I'm like stuttering he totally fits Augusta's blueprint and I think that the more he plays the place the more confident he gets with his shots I think that that's just sort of been indicative um, of his finishes and I also think that he's the type of player that he could get like that picture in his head where he has to hit certain shots and he could build confidence around that and that's exactly what Augusta calls for Um, it's those shots that you have to hit like in those pressure situations and then that sort of reinforces. And these past two weekends for Cantlay, I think are going to be huge moving forward. Just like huge. The, I don't know why we don't put as much sort of focus on that. He was playing for $15 million. And sure, a, a major title is big, but 
that's huge. That's like, that's maybe not life-changing for Cantlay because he, I'm sure he has that and more, but that's like life-changing in the sense of the, the amount of pressure. So I think that these, the end, these past two weekends for Cantlay are going to build so much into next season. And I think he's going to be in contention in more, more majors than just at Augusta. Patrick Cantlay, 20 to 1 to win the Masters along with Shoffley and Morikawa. I like that play. I mean, he's a guy who does not have a weakness in his game. So balanced, T2 green. And we'll see if this FedEx Cup playoffs will be an even bigger launch pad for him, kind of along the same line of Jordan Spieth and the fantastic play we saw from him this past season. Okay. Our outright picks are out there. You can bet if you so choose. Bridget, you have a bonus play. I love it. First round leader. I want to hear this. Yeah, I have a bonus play. First round leader, Harold Varna III. Now, I'm not saying he can't get it done or it's not his time to get it done. I just have uh, I, I have really good uh, feelings about him leading after the first round and then making his way into contention. So I think he's someone to watch out for at the Masters next year. I think that he's also a confidence guy and he's just he's constantly trending. I don't I like I don't know when a time he's not trending. He He's so positive. He's such an optimistic guy. Um, and he's just, he's someone I would put money on after the first round. Yeah, he's a popper for sure. Like any given PJ Tour event, boom, he can fire a 65. He's just like one of those guys. And so yep. that's what you want when you place a first round bet, somebody who can pop like that. So I like that HB3. All right, there you go. Obviously, it's always a dart throw with those first round leaders, but if you cash out, usually it's a pretty good payout. So no doubt about that one. Okay, those are our picks. Early master selections. Let's save these, Bridget, and see if we teeter away <laughs> or keep right on playing as we approach Augusta. I know I'm going like full out. Let me give you a first round leader. I don't even, I, I honestly don't even know. Maybe he, he might not even get into the masters. We shall see. Right. So the odds are even higher in that regard because it's like, all right, first he's got to be in the field. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Going out well, on the limb here. <laughs> yeah. It's been a fun season. Excited to do it all over again with you. And We'll explain how our picks will go, folks, next week, where we will be tracking with fake Monopoly money. Each of us will have 100 bucks to bet on, and we will spread it out throughout our picks and track how we do this season. So there you go. Excited for it. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to spending money that I don't have that will have <laughs> zero consequences. But it's fun to track, all right? It's fun for the people out there. All right. It. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. This edition of Golf Bets on Us is presented by betonline.ag. We thank them for providing the odds on this show. We're back at it. New season. Golf Bets on Us next week for Bridget Wayland. I am Cam Rogers. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.